This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. How to write a good obituary about a bad person. Walter White, a.k.a. Heisenberg, 52, of Albuquerque, died Sunday after a long battle with lung cancer and a gunshot wound. A co-founder of Gray Matter, White was a research chemist who taught high school chemistry and later founded a meth manufacturing empire. He is survived by his wife, Skylar, son, Walter Flynn Jr., which is funny, and daughter, Holly. A private memorial was held by his family. In lieu of flowers, donations can be made to a drug abuse prevention charity of your choice. He will be greatly missed. Now, I like the title, How to Write a Good Obituary for a Bad Person. I've been talking to fathers, but it it pertains to all of us, but I want to read you, an, a, this is not a real obituary, this is a TV fictional character um, on a very famous show called Breaking Bad, and he was a very bad person, and so they made it sound like somewhat okay. But I'm going to read a real obituary, I'm not going to put up his picture, but this uh, kind of made uh, the news as far as how many people... Uh, went to the website to see the actual uh, obituary written by his daughter. Listen carefully. Leslie Ray Popeye Charping was born in Galveston on November 20th, 1942, and passed away January 30, 2017, which was 29 years longer than expected and much longer than he deserved. This was printed on the, in the newspaper, local newspaper, and of course, the funeral website. Leslie battled with cancer in his later years and lost his battle. Untimely due to being the horse's blank he was known for, he leaves behind two relieved children, a son, Leslie Roy Charping, and a daughter, Sheila Smith, along with six grandchildren and countless other victims, including an ex-wife, Relatives, friends, neighbors, doctors, nurses, and random strangers. Um, This is not, I'm not trying to be funny. It's a very sad obituary that actually made it on the website. At a young age, Leslie quickly became a model example of bad parenting. Combined with mental illness and a complete commitment to drinking, drugs, womanizing, and being generally offensive, Leslie enlisted to serve in the Navy, but not so much to be brave or patriotic, there's a way of a part of a plea deal to escape sentencing on criminal charges. While enlisted, Leslie was a Navy boxing champion and went on to sufficiently embarrass his family and country by spending the remainder of his service in prison or in the mental hospital. Leslie was surprisingly intelligent. However, he lacked, he lacked ambition, motivation to do anything more than just being selfish, reckless, wasteful, squandering the family savings and fantasizing about how to get rich quick schemes. Leslie's hobbies included being abusive to his family, expediting trips to heaven for the beloved family and pets and fishing, which he was less skilled with than the previously mentioned. 
Leslie's life served to no other obvious purpose. He did not contribute to society or serve his community, and he possessed no redeeming qualities besides quick-witted sarcasm, which was amusing during his sober days. With Leslie's passing, he'll be missed only by what by he miss, he'll be missed only for what he never did. He was never a loving husband. He was never a good father nor a good friend. No service will be held. There will be no prayers for eternal peace and no apologies to the family he tortured. Leslie's remains will be cremated and kept in the barn until Ray, the family's donkey, wood shavings run out. Leslie's passing proves that evil does, in fact, die and hopefully marks a time of healing and safety for all. Yep, this was the daughter's obituary for his life. One newspaper wrote, It's a tough read and sad to imagine that raw hatred this man engendered. So when the news agency reached out to her, she said, I told the truth, and I'm not sorry for telling the truth, and I'm not sorry for standing up for myself. And then she added these words. This obituary was intended to help bring closure. Although I appreciate everybody's concern, it would have been much more appreciated at any time during my childhood to be concerned. So this morning I want to talk to you, and it's kind of a sobering um, story that we just read that about a man that just didn't live up to his potential, his God-given mandate. That's always concerning. As you get older, you start thinking about what will people say about you. Well, one of the things I like about going to funerals is uh, it's sobering. Um, you are reminded of the finite of life. You're reminded that... Um, of what you might leave behind. And so I don't, I used to not like going to funerals and I don't look forward to going to funerals, but when I do, uh, it really just helps me align my life again with the Lord. One of the things that in our culture we don't like funerals is that we're trying to, to just kind of dispose, dispose of, um, of anything that might remind us of our finiteness. Anything that will remind us that we are only here but for a short period of time, we want to get out of our peripheral vision, older folks, sick folk, anything that remind us that we're finite, you know, funerals. You know, back in the day, we would have funerals, um, you know, people would come to the viewing at the home. You know, the, there was a cemetery next to the church. But little by little, we didn't want to come to church and be reminded that we're, fin- you know, we're finite. But here's this dad that just didn't live up to his God-given potential. And as I read in in, uh, Exodus chapter 20, that sin has a ripple effect. Sin is not isolated. Sometimes we might think as as adults that somehow uh, nobody will know. We think that we're good at hiding things. Sin has a ripple effect. And that's what the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 20. We were here last, if you were here last week, we talked about that. It, it has effect on the children and the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren and the great-great-grandchildren. It has, uh, as the Bible talks about, four to five generations, four generations. And we know that, in, especially in those days, it wasn't that uncommon to live in a home where everybody lived together. 
Exodus chapter 34 says, The sins of the parents are laid upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generation. Our families can be a, a mark for good or it could be a mark of ill. And when it's ill, it cripples us. It leaves scars. And we can walk the rest of our lives with a limp. Some of you are pretty new to our church, and some of you have been here from the beginning, so you've heard all my stories, and I won't share all of them again. But one of them is I used to struggle with anger. I kept it, I kept it under wraps publicly, but I had an anger problem. I remember one time earlier on, as soon as we got here in, in Tallahassee, I don't remember what happened, but I remember being on North Monroe, kind of where um, Walmart is, north of the interstate. Back in the day, it used to be Sam's Club. So we were leaving Sam's Club, and I was coming south, and I remember being so frustrated at my wife, Robin. I got so mad, I got out of the car, and I slammed the door, and I walked home. And I wasn't living on Lakeshore at the time. I was living uh, off of Mission Road. One time, uh, I um, was, was traveling on I-75, heading south to Sarasota, and I had a sweatshirt on, and I decided to uh, take the sweatshirt off while I was driving. Not very wise. And I made the mistake, and I grabbed too far in the back, and instead of pulling the, the sweatshirt off, I, all I did was cover myself and basically blindfolded myself as I was going 75, 80 miles an hour in my blue minivan. The kids were there, and they know this story. And something came out of my mouth that I hadn't said in decades before. I cursed. I said, oh, blank. The kids will think it's funny now. But it... and, um, and I think it must have been Maylise because she would have been old enough. And she says, what did you say? And I said, oh, nothing. And, and they, you could hear the whispering of them. Uh, they know what I said. So I had anger problems, and I, you know, I, I, had, I thought the Lord had delivered me, and he had, and I, and I cursed. And so immediately, as soon as I possibly could, I pulled over on the interstate. And I opened the slide, slide uh, door of the van, and I literally begged for my kids' forgiveness, that daddy had messed up, and that I was sorry. But it took me a long time to figure out the whole anger issue. And then one day, at a time of fasting and prayer, I asked the Lord to help me, to show me why I was angry. Was it my dad? I wanted to put the finger on my dad. Uh, was it that I, was, I grew up poor? I wanted to put the finger on my poverty. Was it because I was Spanish? I wanted to put the finger down, uh, point the finger on my culture. Because uh, you always heard about the angry Spanish guy, right? What was it, Lord? After a, a time of prayer and fasting, the Lord spoke to me clearly, and I was excited that he was going to point out why I was angry. And he told me it was me. I'm the reason. All those other reasons were just trigger mechanisms. It was in here. It was in here. 
Now, no doubt, life circumstances contributed to it. So when we read obituaries and we wonder, like, what would people say about us? And what would, what would people say about me as a, as a husband, as a father? What would my kids write? Would my kids be happy that I was gone and, and just say these words and, and post them on, on social media? Or what would they say? I believe that God can break these patterns, amen? And he can, and today is Pentecost Sunday. I believe he can through the power of the Holy Spirit. Being a better dad isn't something about gritting your teeth and clenching your fists and tightening your belt and just becoming a better dad. It's really about allowing the Holy Spirit to move in and, and fulfill and fill your life and begin to walk in obedience that only the Holy Spirit can help you do. It wasn't a self-help thing that got me to be a better person in my, in my marriage. It wasn't a, some self-help thing that helped me to control my, my language. But it was through the Holy Spirit who allowed me to make these changes in my life for His glory so that I'm not leaving a, a ripple effect to the second, third, fourth generation. And that the, my sins of, as, of the fathers aren't repeated to the next, I would hate, you know, we, you know my, we love our grandchildren, I would hate any of the shortcomings that I have, that I haven't submitted to the Holy Spirit, to be passed down to little Emmett, little Ellie, little Slara. I would hate that. And spiritually, same thing, I would hate for that to happen. Natalie, uh, I don't know, is Natalie here? We're doing some filming. We're doing some filming downstairs right now, but. Natalie saw me one time get very upset uh, at a, an event. And, um, but the Lord, is, I believe, has helped me in that area. Only through the Holy Spirit. But one of the things I think we can do is what do we do with those who have hurt us and maybe uh, are passed down these traits of, of bad behavior and we've picked up on it. I don't know if this picture uh, is... Familiar to any one of you, or the name at least, Corey Ten Boom. I believe forgiveness is one of the biggest things the Lord has uh, given us to help us. Maybe you look back and you see your dad wasn't that loving. Your dad wasn't this, your dad wasn't that, your mom wasn't this, and your mom wasn't that. Uh, we all have stories like that, don't we? We all have stories. Forgiveness. One of the first obvious steps that we can find the power of the Holy Spirit working in us is the concept and the, the, the subject matter and the act of forgiveness. I know what some of you are thinking. You're probably thinking, well, that's not what I want to do right now, Pastor Mario. Somebody hurt me, and it hurts, and I understand that. And I'm not trying to uh, minimize the amount of hurt. And I don't know the amount of hurt that you've gone through. And I don't know the extent of, of the, the generational behavior that has been passed down. But I do know that God wants to stop it. Amen. He doesn't want you to keep holding on to it. He doesn't want you to hold on to unforgiveness. This is what unforgiveness looks like. There's a gentleman right here on Martin Luther King and uh, Monroe that he carries so much stuff. He's got like two or three carts now that he carries. 
You know how much of a pain that is? Can you, I just saw it the other day, and I'm like, what does he do when it rains? Right there by the bus stop, city bus stop. And this is what unforgiveness does. It, it, you begin to carry all this stuff, and, and be, before you know it, it's just weighing you down. And, and, and how do you carry it? How do you, how do you live life like this? It's difficult. Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom was a, a famous lady. Let me just, uh, she was speaking, and Corrie ten Boom was a prisoner in, um, in Europe. She was helping hide Jews, Jewish people in her home, and she was able to allow some people to escape um, the control of, uh, of Nazi Germany in her homeland. Um, she was uh, in a very difficult situation where she was helping people. So she secretly housed Jews, and then she was discovered. Her and her sister were discovered, and they were sent to a Ravens, Ravensbrück uh, prison, including her sister. And Corey survived. Her sister did not. So now a few years after World War II is over, this wonderful lady, the saint of God, is preaching somewhere in Germany, and she's preaching on forgiveness. She would say things like this, when we confess our sins, God casts them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. God then places a sign out that says, no fishing allowed. And right after these words in Munich that she shared one night, people gathered around her to talk to her after this, the service. And there was this heavy set, balding man wearing a gray overcoat she recognized him, but she didn't recognize him the way he looked at that moment. She had seen him before, but she saw him in a blue uniform, a cap with a skull and crossbones and a leather riding crop. And they came back to her. She recognized him. And uh, this rush of adrenaline and, and, and just shock came over her, her heart. He was a guard in the prison that she was a prisoner of. And she remembered that she had to walk past this guy completely naked because he was one of the guards. And she remembered immediately that he was one of the cruelest guards in the camp. So he comes up to her after the service, after the Christian service, and, she, and he says, a fine message, Fräulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I'm glad that all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And he stretches out his hand to shake her hand. But what is she going to do? What, I, what would I do? What would you do? He goes on to say, because he doesn't, he doesn't recognize her as a prisoner. He, he didn't know that. You know, he didn't remember her. But she remembers him. She's frozen right there at that moment. It seemed like time just stood still. And he goes on to say, you mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. I was a guard there, but since that time, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things that I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. 
and he sticks his hand out again. Fräulein, will you forgive me? And Corey Ten Boom thought for, to herself that she could not because her sister had died in Ravensbrück. Did he think by stretching out her hand, his hand would erase the long, slow, terrible death of her sister? It was too much to ask. As we can certainly feel uh, the weight of this situation, I put this on a PowerPoint. We know that forgiveness is a good thing. That is the right thing until we have to somebody to actually forgive. It may be our parents. It may be that, you know, listen, some of you probably had storybook parents. but Some of us didn't. And some of us recognize the, the, the things that our parents or even grandparents did have affected us. And, and now we're passing it down with, with, like I mentioned, some of the examples in my own life with the anger. When you actually have to forgive someone, it's all of a sudden it becomes tough. But forgiveness brings wholeness. It provides healing. And it begins to let go of all that baggage that we might be holding on to. And as I mentioned before, this is what unforgiveness looks like. I think all of us have good reasons to be frustrated. Things that you were subject to. Things that you were deprived of. And I think sometimes anger can be healing. If it's in the right place. If it's geared to the right thing. Hurt and pain can be a good thing as well. You learn. But I'm not asking you to deny it. I'm just asking that the Lord will help you find healing in it. And forgiveness is the first critical step to breaking free. Maybe you need to ask someone for forgiveness in your life and say, you know, maybe your parents are gone and, you know, you can't go to them and say, you know, I forgive you, or will you forgive me? What are you going to do? But I think you can, in your heart, begin to release that and say, Lord, my dad is not a sinner, but he was someone who was sinned against as well. He's not just a sinner, but he too. You know, what about the hurts that he endured? And you can see how we can just continually go back to generation after generation. Last week, we prayed for people who were, uh, you know, maybe you were raised in a very taskmaster, very tough environment, but maybe some of you were raised on the opposite spectrum. Hands off. There was no discipline in your, in your life. You were able, there was no structure in your life. And that's not healthy either, and I pray that we're not passing that down as well. I believe you have a right to be angry if you've been offended, but we have to be careful it doesn't slip into bitterness and resentment or revenge. When you do that, you begin to, you, you can't hide it. it. Sin is not contained in your, in your own life. You begin to flesh that out and begin to, it begins to ripple effect in those around you. Racism. You know, the, the, the things that people might say, and, and maybe as parents or grandparents, they just say, and they'll say some, something negative about a particular race. 
God wants that to stop. He doesn't want our grandchildren to, to be with racism. Amen? And so those little jokes that we might mention, we think they're harmless. And maybe for the adult ear, it could be. But let me tell you something, that has a ripple effect. And so forgiveness is the critical first step of breaking free. So you might be asking, how? How can I set myself free of all this baggage, of all the hurts? You know, when you're carrying this kind of stuff, I've, I've met quite a few homeless people. And some of them are pretty mean. You ever met a mean homeless person? I have. His hurts are now packaged into his heart and his life, and he's projecting in anger. Some of you might be dealing with anger in your life, and, and I believe that God wants to set you free so that this stuff can be dealt with. And then instead of being that angry person, you're that person that's filled with the Holy Spirit. And all the fruit of the Spirit began to flow into your life. I haven't asked my kids, maybe because I'm afraid. But I believe God has helped me throughout the years. Throughout the years. And I pray that when I ask them about their dad's anger, and I'll ask them after church, and they'll be brutally honest. Mike is already going, he's backing up like this. What would they say about their dad in anger? Dad in anger. I'm trying to self-assess here, and I believe that God has helped me. Because of the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness. I didn't really have to forgive my dad because I didn't blame him. I didn't blame my circumstances with my, my deformed right ear, and all the, the years of operations. and I used to have to wear a football helmet when I was at school. I, I think it's hilarious. Um, but I used to have to wear, kids, kids would make fun of it, but honestly, it didn't affect me. I just try to find a thing, where can I ask, you know, Lord, what, what do I need to let go? And the Lord really just said, it's you, Mario. And so I went around asking forgiveness to my wife and my kids and anybody else I might have had an effect on in their lives. And I, little by little, the Lord began to set me free. Set me free. And he wants to set you free. He wants to set you free. I'm telling you, freedom is better than bondage. Freedom is better than bondage. And I understand this is not easy. It's not easy to let go of things that sometimes give us our identity and, and purpose. Forgiveness. I'm not going to go through all the steps because it's a little late, but I want to tell you one of the things that you can do is restore an attitude of love. Restore an attitude of love. I kind of gave it away a little bit, a hint. Instead of looking at that person that hurt you as a monster, 
because they've done monstrous things. We, we agree with that. We're not trying to ignore that. But look at them as someone that God loves. And if God loves them, they have value. And so one of the very first steps, and there's a few other steps, but one of the things is restore an attitude of love. Look at them as made in the image of God. It doesn't mean they've behaved godly. We can't control what they're doing, but we can control how we see people. We can see them as made in the image of God. And that's why I challenge people politically, our opponents are not the opponents. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. Jesus died on the cross for our political opponents. He finds value in them, so much so that he died on the cross for them and us. So maybe the first things we could see is we can look at them as they are children of God. Give them the value that God gives them. Let them know that the, the Holy Spirit, they're made in the image of God. Made in the image of God. And when you know someone is made in the image of God, it changes how we interact with them. So forgiveness, one of the first steps is to restore an attitude of love. So as we fastly approach Father's Day, you know, I just read the scripture, you shall not make yourself an idol in form of anything in heaven or above, on the earth beneath or waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. We talked about what that actually meant. That he's punishing is that, as far as the, it's the, the influence for those who, uh, to third and fourth generation who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations to those who love me and keep my commandments. One of the best things we could do as parents is begin to uh, look at people and value them as I would call imagers made in, the, in God's image. I'm not saying be their best friend. I'm not saying put yourself in vulnerable positions. I am not saying that. I'm saying step one is look at them as made in the image of God. Someone who has been sinned against as also. Hurt people, hurt people. You've heard that before? Hurt people, hurt people. Well, who hurt them? And then who hurt them? And who hurt them? But we need to put an end to it when the Lord, Holy Spirit, on Pentecost Sunday, opens our eyes and our hearts and say, stop it with you. Stop that with you. So this, as we approach Father's Day next week, I pray that uh, your kids would write a, an obituary that would honor God and that would say that my dad honored God. My mom honored God. My mom, I, I could see the change in my mom. One of the things I remember with my dad is my dad was, and he's still alive and he might come visit, so be, be understanding and kind to him. And my dad used to be incredibly angry. Incredibly, I mentioned it last week. But I remember I went on, on a trip with my, parent, my mom to South America, and I came back, and my dad was a different person. A different, totally different person. 
And, and what happened, he'd gone to this church, which was in, ended up being my home church, the Tabernacle. And he was uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. M- my dad, literally in one summer, was from this super angry man to not that. To not that. That I remember in my high school years, it was like, my, my relationship with my father is totally different than my older brother's. Different man. It wasn't because he clenched his fist. It wasn't because he tightened his belt and grit his teeth. It's because he submitted his life to the Holy Spirit. And you still have to do it every day. Because I can see little by little as he's gotten older and older, some of his old traits are creeping back in. So every day I say, Lord, help me. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us. Help us to bring you the greatest glory. Help us to bring you the greatest glory. Lord, we know that the ripple effect of, of parental and grandparent behavior, Lord, has is, is infected us, influenced us. Lord, we don't want it to continue any further as you, through the Holy Spirit, have opened our eyes to these things that are weighing us down like massive bags on a homeless person's cart. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit for opening our eyes to it. Lord, we ask that you would help us in in the realm of forgiveness and looking at people that have hurt us as someone that you died for, made in your image, imagers. Lord, we know that's a beginning step of finding full freedom. Every eye closed, head bowed. If you say, Pastor Mario, there's, there's some things I just need to let go, and, and I'm not, it's, it's harder than I thought. Someone maybe has hurt you very deeply. I just want to pray with you. I'm raising my hand still. And so anybody else, just raise your hand. You can put it down. Amen. Yeah. Lord Jesus, we pray right now that you would help us, help us to honor you by living the way you want us to live. Walk in freedom. That we're no longer prisoners. We're no longer slaves to unforgiveness, to hurts. Lord, help us to walk and freedom, and peace, and joy. Lord, we know that sometimes you allow things to, as far as the time frame to find full freedom, that, you know, it it takes some time. Lord, some of us, or sometimes it's just immediate. But Lord, no matter what, Lord, we just pray for healing in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, help us as a church to pray for one for another. Lord, to lift each other up. And Lord, to encourage one another to live for you fully. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would help us release those baggage, those chains that bind us. And Lord, at the end of the day, and I know we talked about obituaries in the beginning. But at the end of the day, Lord, we're not trying to live so that Someone would write something nice about us, but we want to live to bring you the greatest glory. As a result, we believe that people will say 
that was a changed man. He was a changed man. He was a loving man, a kind man, a kind mom, a loving mom. Through Jesus. In your precious name we pray, amen. I just want to finish the Corey Tenbim story real quick. He extends her, his hands. And only through the Holy Spirit, the Lord, she says, and I'm going to paraphrase it really quick. She embraces his hand, and they hug. And she said she felt such freedom that she began to, to weep. And they both wept together as they held and hugged each other. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. But at the end of the day, I believe that she found more freedom in her life and he as well. So I pray that as we leave this place that we could walk in his freedom, we can walk in his forgiveness, and we can walk in his goodness. Amen? And uh, let's, let's call it, uh, let's, let's just pray right now real quick. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We love you. And be with us as we uh, approach this Father's Day celebration, Lord, that we could um, look at everyone in our lives, our, our, our parents, made in the image of God, made in the image of God. Lord, we love you, and I pray that everything that we do glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. May the Lord be with you. He is risen. God bless you. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurch.com. TLH.com.